0: This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hey, welcome to today's show. You know they're here. Say hi, guys. Hi, everybody. It's Jackie. Hi, everybody. It's Landon. And I'm so lucky to have Sensei Lydia with us again today. Thanks for being here for another round, Sensei.
1: Hi, everyone. Hey, Sensei, I want to remind everyone that if they want to know all about Sensei Lydia, they need to go way back. And listen to the first time she joined us. It's the episode on self-control, which I think is everybody's favorite.
0: (laughs) I don't know if it's everybody's favorite, but it was a good one. That was our third episode. Wow. And you can find the episodes on our webpage at wildcatdojo.com and then click the Wildcat Dojo Conversations link. It's on the left. Unless you'd rather use iTunes, or what else can they use, guys?
2: Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Podcasts, TuneIn. I'm going to stop there to say, if you just type into a Google screen, Wildcat Dojo Conversations, all of our platforms will come up. And with that being said, subscribe so you never miss a beat. And now I feel like a sales rep.
0: Wow, that was awesome. <laughs> we're going to give um, Landon a holla for that one. Okay, so today we're back on the women. Yeah, we're back on the women. So. <laughs> okay, so today we're back on the subject of women in karate. Our first episode about women was on April 6th, and it was about two famous female warriors from hundreds of years ago. I will be going back to ancient times, but for now we're jumping to the late 1800s, early 1900s. Let's get started. In 1914, a woman named Nobutaki Yaiko, wrote text in Japanese called Self-Defense for Women, and we're going to tell you about it. By the way, we took all this information from a site called LiveScience.com. So get me going here, Sensei Lydia.
3: Well, how about this one? She wrote it under the pen name Nohata Showa. And I'm going to add a little tidbit because that's pretty cool that it was translated by
2: Eric Shehan, and the article said that they were not able to find more information
1: about the author or the organization she started. It's really kind of strange, but getting back to what we saw about the book, it describes a group of Japanese women who banded together to form the Women's Self-Defense League. Some of the
0: techniques they showed in the book included throws, ways to break the grip of attackers, and even a way to strangle someone with that mm-hmm. leg it's strangle edge. hold on the abdomen. Mm. That part was cool because they showed the pictures. And the leg grab around the abdomen looked a lot like an MMA hold. Pretty wow. neat, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes.
3: That's that's always fun to watch. And I didn't know that
2: MMA stood for mixed martial arts.
3: Oh, so you oh, learned yeah. something new you
2: learned when you looked like-
0: it up. Okay, so what else did they have on this subject, Landon?
2: Okay, so this is pretty neat. The book even has a detailed chart that shows where you should hit the attacker, which we can also call his vulnerable spots. And we spoke about that before in a moment in
0: self-defense. We speak about it all the time. I mean, this stuff is truly ageless. Us. Yes, it is. Yeah. Right? And it's important to know. It does speak to the fact that this has never gone away. This is something that's been going on and it's going to go on as long as people live on the planet. That's right. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you see this quote from the book? Kyosho are points on the body that can cause damage if struck hard, or they can be used to resuscitate a person. If you violently strike any of the Kyosho, it can render a person unconscious or even stop their breath. Good and proper people would do well to learn these points. And just as an aside to this, those points were on my Shodan test from Sensei Peg. We had to put them on the body, on a, a blank body.
0: And for all of you who don't know, Sensei Peg was the lady who built our
3: black belt tests for a good 20, 30 years. At least. All right. uh, More from the book. It took some thoughts from jujitsu because it showed how to use leverage rather than strength to free yourself. Hey, even defend yourself. We totally use that technology in classes today. We totally do. Yes. Yeah. She also takes aim at Japan's
1: politicians who, she said, We're ignoring the problem. And here's another quote from the same book. A resolute solution to men's debauchery continues to elude us. Those are depressing. Wow. (laughs) Well, there's no happy face next to those. I don't have a joke for that one. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think there's a joke with any sentence that has debauchery in it. (laughs) Really? Really? Okay, unfortunately, and I'm saying this
2: very sadly, this is our last fact, but it's a great one, and I wish we had some more, but here we go. The league trained women and also gave out awards to women who successfully stopped an assault. So, it's an interesting
0: award, and a great award. That is an
1: interesting award to me. I'm curious who the board of judges were. (laughs)
0: No, I'm really thinking about it. Is it just what happens when they go back to class and they're training? See, that's what I Ah, see it that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're more recognized. Well, at least it's another thing that is still going on today. The fact that women are defending themselves, that is. a Good thing. We're always trying to empower women, men, and kids. All of us.
2: Us. All of us.
0: You know, the key is to go through life with a nice, confident air and not be a bully in the process. Yes. Yes.
3: It's important for everyone and uh, necessary in today's world. And according to this in all worlds
0: before this. Anyway, we're moving on to our next book and I'm excited about this one because I was lucky enough to actually talk to the author. Her name is Dr. Wendy Rouse. And in 2017, she published a book called Her Own Hero about the rise of the women's self-defense movement in the early
1: 1900s here in America. Okay,
0: let's start with some information about Dr. Rouse.
1: Her karate background is Shotokan, so she especially liked our episode on Funakoshi. Which she told me. Makes us feel so good. I like it.
3: Right?
0: Yes. And she's trained in a couple of other styles in adulthood, just trying to broaden her martial arts base.
2: She got her PhD in history from the University
3: of California. She seems very accomplished. Her work focuses on the history of women and children in the United States. And finally, she has other work published, and is currently working on a new project
0: investigating the role of the LGBTQ community in the women's suffragette movement. I would never even have thought of that as an idea. Would you have? No. No, I. I Great idea, though. Just saying all that stuff made my brain tired. You know. (laughs) Yes. Okay, let's run that interview. Now, when you guys listened to that interview, the microphone on Dr. Rouse's end was not a high-quality microphone, so some of the words drop a little bit. Have forgiving ears when you nice. listen because the content is totally worth it. She was wonderful. I'm with Wendy Rouse, the author of Her Own Hero, and I'm so excited to be here with you, so welcome.
4: Thank you, I'm excited to be here with you. I've been training martial arts since I was 10, so I love talking about it and I love thinking about the history of it now. Whenever anyone's willing to talk, I'm willing to talk about it.
0: That is so exciting. I watched your video that you did on the book and then some self-defense moves, and I was so pleased to see that we are almost exactly the same when we talk about ways to hit people back because it's a pretty simple process. The hard part is actually doing it, isn't it?
4: Yes, exactly. Isn't that exciting when you look at the old photos and the old videos that they, they're doing the same technique?
0: Oh, I loved it. So I want to start at the beginning and say, what got you into the idea? Is it because you were training?
4: No, ironically, that was not the idea. I had trained in martial arts since I was 10. I studied Shotokan karate when I was a kid, and I I trained in that all the way up to the end of high school. And then I started training in Weichiru, which was an Okinawan system in college. And at the same time, I was studying history. Um, My bachelor's degree was in history, I still got my PhD in history, and I never combined those two topics. So what happened was, I was going through some old newspapers that were part of my dissertation project, which was on immigration history. And as I was going through the old San Francisco newspapers and Oakland newspapers and New York City, like all the major cities across the country, I came across this image that's now the title image of the book. And it shows this woman fighting back against an attacker. And she's in the early 20th century clothing, right, in in her full dress and everything. And she's fighting back. And I was like, whoa, she's using a Palm Hill strike. And it blew my mind because I had always learned that it was our teachers, our women teachers who were the first to break into the male dominated field of martial arts. And that they had done that in the 60s and the 70s. So to see something that was 100 years old, uh, really surprised me to see a woman training in martial arts 100 years ago, really blew my mind. So that And made me want to dive into it more. So I started to kind of do it as a side project, and it developed into a book.
0: And a really, really good book. What was your favorite part of the book?
4: Uh, My favorite part was learning about mashers. Uh, A masher was uh, a man who sexually harassed women on the streets.
0: Can I interrupt? Do you love the
4: language? I do, and I think the smash the masher campaign was (laughs) funny. Um, because we really don't have a term for that today, right? It still happens. Women get sexually harassed on the street and we just call it street harassment, but we don't have a term for a person who does that. And their term was masher. So that was my favorite part to research. Uh, It was really interesting the way that they talked about in the newspapers, what was happening, that they highlighted the fact that women were feeling harassed on the streets and they drew attention to the issue. And it was mostly women themselves that were drawing attention to this by writing into advice columnists and talking about the problem. And really, it was like the hashtag Me Too movement of the early 20th century.
0: That's so true. That's just what I thought when
4: I was reading about it. It isn't new. It's the same problem. Exactly. They faced the same backlash, some of the same arguments that we see today, which is unfortunate that that hasn't gone away. And women responded by saying we can defend ourselves and joining self-defense classes. So this kind of surprised the boxing instructors and the jiu instructors when these women started showing up and asking for private lessons, they realized that there was this demand for essentially what we would call self-defense classes today. So they started to create and craft these classes designed specifically for people who just wanted to learn enough to be able to protect themselves, but maybe not train as a, as a prize fighter or as a competitor in, in jujitsu. So it, it really created this whole new demand for this market of self defense classes too. Women were training in boxing around 1900, but um, 1904 was when jitsu really became a big deal in the United States.
0: Okay. I'm going to do one more question and then I'll get out of your hair. Of all the projects that you've been working on, do you have one that's your favorite?
4: No, I love them all for different reasons. Um, I think the Her Own Hero book was an important book for me to write because it felt like it was kind of summing up my experiences as a martial artist by contextualizing it. Because sometimes we see ourselves as an individual in an individual time studying and training in martial arts, and we forget to think about that we belong to a larger history of this and to think about where we fit in that as well is really important. I'm glad I've had the opportunity to look at all of these topics at different points in my life.
0: Well, I'm glad you got to look at the one topic because when I found the research, I was like, this is amazing. Thank you so much for taking your time out. Yes, thank you. Yikes. We're going to have trouble following that. I told you it was wonderful. Thanks again to Dr. Wendy Rouse for her time and her expertise. Okay, let's get down to our view on this book with a round robin of some of our favorite snippets. Who's going
1: first? I think I'm going to go first um, because... It's probably smart to reiterate what the book is about. The book discusses the popularity of women learning boxing skills to defend themselves from mashers in the early 1900s. You just can't say that word enough, mashers. I love that word.
0: And I'm still loving the smash the masher campaign that she <laughs> mentioned. I'm just loving it. I think
1: we should bring it back. Yes. Well, I think it's a great definition to use. For people who attack you on the street. Like next time I teach self-defense, I'm going
0: to call it Smash the Masher. I wonder if they'll get mad at me and see what happens. (laughs) Is it Smash the Masher or Mash the Masher? It's Smash the Masher. Okay. (laughs) Okay, move me on here.
2: Okay, Sensei. One thing that Dr. Ross mentioned is that in 1889, the LA Times announced that an athletic
3: club for women opened. And I thought that that's a pretty nice little tidbit. Sure. Dr. Rouse in the book also cites a story of a lady um, named Blanche Bates defending herself in uh, 1901. Bates was quoted as saying that a woman ought to know where to use her fist on an attacker where it will do the most good. I think we all know where that is. It was a YouTube moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving the story about Blanche Bates. She also mentions in the book that the movement had the support of officials throughout the country, from police chiefs to mayors. That's
1: right. And that support initiated more support of women having control over their own bodies and the right to defend it.
2: And another piece of interesting investigation is that in 1906, a woman named Virginia Drox set out to form a jujitsu club in Los Angeles
0: after seeing them all around New York. That is a great one. And I just want to say, going back on what you said, Sensei Jackie, to this day, people, whether men, women, or children are always on a struggle to find their independence while at the same time giving other people their own space. Yes. And I know this sounds ridiculously trite, but one of the things I remember in my mind is what my parents used to always say to me, live and let live.
4: Mm.
1: And that is exactly it. You know, next to the golden rule, exactly right up there.
0: Maybe we should do an episode on that book, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, which I love that book, and I've read it two or three times, and basically that's what he says.
3: Isn't it an excellent book? It is an excellent book, and it's an easy read.
0: Ah, I love an easy read.
3: (laughs) The empowerment of women to defend themselves, Dr. Roos continues, led them being free to go out after dark without an escort and having confidence in their ability to feel safe. And that is a very, very important thing to consider.
0: Exactly what and we were feeling. just saying, right? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, let's keep going. In the book, she cites examples of clubs in colleges and churches, community clubs. An example is the Albert Barnes Club in Philadelphia. And she also cites examples of techniques ranging from a three part combination, you know, like a jab jab hook or a jab jab uppercut mm-hmm. to a hip throw. Two, carrying cayenne pepper as a spray, which I'm saying is the precursor to pepper spray, right? It is pepper spray.
3: There you go, it is pepper spray. Really, just the same ideas as we build on today, right? Oh, for sure.
0: You got it. This is fun.
1: Oh, Uh, yeah. This is also similar to today. And she says that although it seemed to start as an upper-class extravagance, It worked its way into the working class eventually being offered by department stores and offices for their employees.
0: And, you know, we've gone out and taught in corporate world self-defense.
2: Absolutely. And we saw even a mail order course that was mentioned for women who stayed at home. And those words, unfortunately, sound pretty familiar right now. Stay at (laughs) home. Or couldn't afford an alternative. One example was from the Yabe School of Jiu-Jitsu.
0: Okay, I'm pretty sure we've covered almost everything. Do you have one more thing for me, Landon? Oh, I was going to say I do. She talked about a man named Harry Irving Hancock,
2: who wrote three books on self-defense, one in 1904 and one in 1905. So he was a pretty busy writer. Kind of like today, they were intended to empower men, women, and children, which we talked about in the beginning, all people.
1: Yeah, and I like the inclusiveness of all people. Oh, I sure. do too. I think we should mention that if people would like to get Dr. Rouse's book, it's available. Just type her own hero into a search screen, and it will come up in all the usual places like Amazon and... uh, Goodreads,
0: Google Books, books, it's all over the place. Also, this is a good time to say that if you want to look at Master Collegian's self-defense book or my self-defense book, they're also both on Amazon. His is called One Woman Every Minute. And mine is called um, Self-Defense, A Common Sense Approach. I didn't, I didn't know that he had that book. Uh-huh. It's out there on Amazon. I've never
2: heard
0: of it before. Yes. Both excellent books. Anytime you're reading about techniques, we are having some fun. That's it. That's the only thing more fun than reading about techniques is practicing them. Oh,
2: oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're practicing them. argument
0: there. <laughs> well, I hope we had a few laughs already, because what we're about to say is not a laugher, is it, Sensei Lydia?
3: No, it isn't. Here's a quote from a site called um, Women of Karate, International Okinawan Goju Ryu Karate. It may be a harsh sounding reality, but on the western side of the globe, a woman's role was basically playing out the same way. According to all historical records available today, Chojin Miyagi Sensei, who was the founder of Goju Ryu Karateka, did have female children, but none of them were ever taught or permitted to train. Mm right? Now we have a need for a Miyagi
0: episode. <laughs> I think we really do. But that did get us to thinking about how Master Collegian, he liked to empower women. Yes, he did.
3: Yes, he did.
0: Especially in his years of mastery, he really liked to teach and train and promote women defending themselves and women being confident. And that caused Sensei Jackie to look back through a list of black belts for me. And approximately a third of the people on that list who received black belts under Master Collegian or one of his black belts were women. I was
2: just going to say, we have a very diverse style. Very diverse.
1: Yeah. and Which goes to the, uh, the late 1970s in Black Belt Magazine. They published an article called The Female Martial Artist, A New Awakening. And this is really fun for a couple of reasons. First of all, it wasn't new then, just like it isn't new now. <laughs> and this is where we're going to pick up with things women were doing in the late 1900s. So stay tuned. Ooh,
2: you left them with a cliffhanger.
1: Okay, that's it. We've Ooh, covered those two books.
2: That was one information fulfilled episode.
0: Absolutely. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I would like to remind you to like us, review us, subscribe, and follow us anywhere you can or want to. We're at Wildcat Dojo all over the web. And the podcast is, of course, you know, called Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Should we do Honor Athletics? Honor Athletics, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Please check them out and use Wildcat Dojo on your checkout for your 10% discount. We would appreciate that. Honorathletics.com or dial them up at 770-945-5150. With that, it's time to say goodbye. Sensei Lydia, you know how much I love having you on the show. It was wonderful.
3: Oh, thank you so much for the invitation. My pleasure. A lot of fun. And with that,
0: we're over and out.
3: Bye, everybody. Good night, everyone. I'm signing
0: out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.